and you hope that the Supreme Court of of all institutions, I guess, will be above what sort of common dumbasses think. And yes. and you see like, oh, you're just like you're just like us. You're as stupid as my parents' neighbor. Hello, one and all, all in one. Um, welcome to the Bituation Room. I am your host, Francesca Fiorentini. So happy to have you here. So happy you decided to quest play. Um, happy I can be part of your podcast lineup. You know, Stitcher's going away. Why? Everything's going away. All we are is dust in the wind, dude. Dust, wind, dude. Um, yes, I did watch both. Bill and Ted's and Days of Our Lives. Any days heads here? Any days leftists? We should do a Days of Our Lives. You know what? Fuck this, dude. I'm going to do a Days of Our Lives rewatch podcast. <laughs> Can you imagine doing a rewatch podcast about a soap opera? But from a leftist perspective, there, where's my money? Um, welcome, y'all. Clearly, Francesca already on one, but very excited because we have so much to dig into today. And I have two amazing guests with me. Comedian Megan Gailey is back. Just a delight. Um, and uh, journalist Bryce Covert is here. Uh, she is going to talk to us about her investigation into a year after Dobbs, um, a year after Roe v. Wade has been effectively overturned. How is it affecting people, impacting them in their home states specifically, in this case, in Mississippi, which had trap laws that were triggered? Um, what's going on on the ground? So excited to welcome Bryce uh, into the show a little bit later. Uh, but for now, you know what to do. You're liking the stream. You're sharing the stream. You're letting people know what you get up to on a Tuesday, middle of the day, or, you know, wherever you are. Uh, I wanted to read a very sweet review. You guys, please write this podcast five stars, a five-star review, not a four-star, just a five-star. Where's my own show? Where's the show? Where's the... Where's the show? Here we are. Um, this one from Myra AZ Living uh, says, A beautiful labor of love. I really like Francesca's take on current events and the news. She's also very funny and entertaining. This pod deserves more recognition. Yeah. I listen to it regularly and don't usually write reviews. Lol. Well, Myra, you did a beautiful job. And to all those who want to one-up her, uh, I dare you. Five stars on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever the hell. Um, and all to say, also, we haven't been here. It's been two weeks since we've done this show, but there was a bonus episode. That's right. We talked about a number of things. Namely, I had sort of a very weirdly premenstrual rant, which is weird because I am not actually menstruating because <laughs> I'm a nursing mom. So, you know, it happens, you know, TMI up top. Uh, but... I definitely think my period is trying to come back and it's compounded by a lot of sadness uh, for some BS that's going on in the, you know, uh, lefty podcast sphere that I'm going to briefly touch on. But I had a very long rant about it. We talked all about it on Friday, um, as well as talked about an AI chatbot that apparently tried to get a man to kill the Queen of England. So, you know, all the things on a Friday. And if you're like a bonus show, what the hell? How can I watch that back? Well... You can watch or listen to it back by becoming a patron of the show. Patreon.com slash Bituation Room is where you go to do that. Two bucks a month. 
five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month gets you a shout out and all patrons get access to a bunch of different uh, bennies, including um, the digital version of the American Prospect without any pop-up ads, but also 60% off of the paperback American Prospect uh, like subscription. So holler, I have a new, um, a new column in this next episode. I mean, edition, I keep on saying episode. Uh, so hopefully you guys enjoy that. To say nothing of the fact that that supports this show. And again, we have a bonus bish every Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, free to watch. But if you want to watch it back, Twitch, YouTube membership. But most importantly, because it gives me the bigger cut, which means everybody else eats. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Room. There's also merch, bituationroom.com. Again, I'm looking into hats. I'm slow on the hats, but we're going with mustard. I think we've all liked mustard. Like sort of a canary, like I don't know what, a dusty musty, dusty musty with the Frantifa logo. So speak now or forever hold your peace on whether or not that's going to fit your head. And if you like that, I heard some trucker hat suggestions. I don't think I'm ready to bring that back the trucker hat. Okay. It's we're not that far out of MAGA. All right. So that's that. Uh, and with that, everybody get your bitch caps on because this is what are you bitching about? So very, very briefly, um, but as a caveat, um, you guys all know, and if you don't, now you know, uh, not only was I a, a contributor to uh, AJ Plus in the form of Newsbroke, uh, but I have been a contributor contributor to the Young Turks. A lot of you guys follow me because of TYT. You know me from TYT. You know me from the Damage Report. You know me from the main show. You know me from shows that are sadly going away, like The Watchlist with J.R. Jackson or Unbossed with Nina Turner, which is so sad. Um, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't have anything to do with it. But um, I did want to just mention um, that, yes, there has been a lot of discussion about comments that the main hosts of TYT, that being Jank Uger and Anna Kasparian, have made about trans people. And I want to state for the record, I don't agree with them. And I think they're wrong. And the whole thing makes me sad. That's what you're going to get from me right now. That's all you're going to get. If you want to listen to more of what I had to say, become a patron. Um, I don't sling mud to get clicks. That's just not how I roll. That's why, again, not a lot of subscribers. Um, but uh, I also don't sling mud because I respect people. I want to work with people. Uh, and I still have faith that TYT can be a good place and is a good place. Uh, but if you want to know what side I stand on, uh, I stand with trans people. I stand with uh, the most marginalized. And I think it is incumbent upon all of us to do that, not for just their liberation, but for all, all of our liberation. Okay. And this is not, we're not playing, we're not playing uh, like tradesies and swap skis with like true liberation. And again, as I said on Friday, if anything proves that we are all in the same muck and soup, it's the Supreme Court screwing over everybody. So nobody gets a ticket out. Everybody has to deal with fascism. So if you think that we can sacrifice some people or some issues in order to get ahead, uh, you are wrong. I have a lot of respect. I have a lot of love, but I have a lot of disagreement. So that's what I'm bitching about. I'm very sad. And I am, you know, uh, yeah, I'm sad. I'm in a, I'm in a moment. 
having a moment, still premenstrual. I'm going to be premenstrual for a really long time. Anyway, that is me. And uh, she is a stand-up comedian who you have seen on Conan O'Brien or on her Comedy Central special or the podcast, the new podcast, which I just listened to and I loved, called I Love My Kid, But. Please welcome Megan Gailey. Hi, Francesca. Hi. I am really upset because I got my period when I was still breastfeeding. And <laughs> I said, no, this was a myth. It was a myth. It was also, people were like, oh, when you're breastfeeding, you lose so much weight, which is not why I did it. But it's not, not why I did <laughs> it. <laughs> um, and that was a myth, too. A lot of myths. Total myth. A lot of myths floating around. Yeah, yeah. I am like, it's very funny because I like came down in a tear the other day and I was like, what is this that I'm feeling? I was like, yeah. oh, this is PMS. Yeah, hormones. Like, hormones. hormones. Right. They're coursing through you. Even, I mean, you could yeah. be having... You could be having um, breastfeeding PMS, you know? Like I know. How was that for you, off-ramping that? If something – you know what? I actually – it was fine. <laughs> I was yeah. so okay, scared. Good. <laughs> and I was, like, going to buy the cabbage leaves. And then it was just like, I'm done. And I, I, it, You're supposed to put cabbage leaves, by the way, over your, your titties, everybody. Yeah. So you just go, like, walk around like you're, like, a bootleg aerial. Yeah, with cabbage. <laughs> the, obviously, the <laughs> most divine-smelling – um vegetable but uh no I, I but I may just be a bitch all the time like I may just I am like this so it's like right, I don't right, really right. know you could ask my husband but I think he was like I didn't notice anything out of the ordinary <laughs> <clears throat> Megan um we actually are going to talk about something that you bitched about the last time you were on this show mm -hmm. um which is which is pickleball, yeah. which I'm very excited to get into because it seems like you've got some allies in that sphere. Um, but I want to ask you today, other than everything else, yeah. what are you bitching about? So I just got back from three days in Las Vegas. Ooh. And it's not good. Um, it's okay. It shouldn't be habitated. Um, it was 112 degrees. And we were there visiting my mother-in-law who lives there. And I love her, but I'm like, we don't need to be here anymore. Like it's so hot. I was having to go to these strange, not real NBA games where there were like 20,000 men and seven women. And, and I guess it was like the first time where the bathroom situation was great for women because it was Oh yeah. You would see lines of men and they just like don't know what to do in that situation. But then also like everything that's happening in Vegas, it's really like if you thought it was bad pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, it is scary. How? The people people have lost their minds. And the people right, right, right. that have lost their minds and are like, let's go and drink till we die are all going yes i passed a bar at one point like one of those bars in the casino and it was just a giant group of men men spilling out of the bar screaming pushing each other and they were all watching a ufc fight and i think oh, yeah. it is actually like bad for society um i think it like if you want to like throw raw housewives in there i'm against you i think raw housewives actually gives a platform for women of a certain age that would not <laughs> typically be allowed to be on tv we have postmenopausal women on television yeah. because of it's true housewives ufc it's like we already have 
football. Like, why do we need to remove the helmets to see the cauliflower ear and just like blood spilling out of their mouth? But it is like having a midlife crisis sport in a way. I mean, I know they're younger, but I feel like midlife crisis dads somehow get into it. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not even against the people doing it. Like, it's like male menopause is what I'm trying to say. It's like a sport for male menopause. But like, that's golf. So it's like, you already have golf, you already have football, you already have enough outlets. Why don't we, it, it, it's, it's truly when you hear the stories about people like packing picnics and watching the civil war and, and we always like laugh at them and be like, how could they do that is UFC. That is, this is actually like crazier because. Okay. So it's Vegas, but Vegas compounded with UFC. No, it's true. The vibe of Vegas is like anything goes, but I guess post pandemic Vegas is more like, oh, I want to die tonight. Yeah. You know? And people are like ripping things off the wall. Like I think everyone is bottling in everything and then having terrible flights where they're drinking because travel is so bad. So by the time they get there, they're at like an aggro 10 and just right. chugging alcohol. So you saw Kiki Palmer in her and her just incredibly uncalled for outfit. No, uh, I did just see your outfit. I was like, oh, okay, full butt. Can you imagine Matt saying something about you post having a baby? <laughs> oh, no. Like it was like, this is, <laughs> if I want to have my labia out to show people the trauma yeah, it's yeah, been yeah. through, you're going to have to deal with Including Usher, so be it. Oh, especially Usher. Especially. He gets front row seat. I'd be like, my stitches have healed. I keep telling people I'm asking people to look at my vagina for a second opinion. I just want it. My doctor said it's healed, but I say I need to get out there and make sure that people say it's healed. Um, there's a, I have a funny story about God. I, we've gotten TMI, <laughs> but um, mine's gone. Speaking Your of, vagina's gone. No. Speaking of labia. Uh, um, mm -hmm. I have heard that. I think the baby just blew it off. Like it was like boof, and it just yeah. got lost in like the guts. And and this is and, I hope nobody's eating, but like legit, I don't know if there's like a lost and found for labia. Even as you're saying that, don't this is now going, why can't we direct the men who love UFC to watch birthing videos? They clearly <laughs> have like uh, a, a, a hunger for blood and for trauma of the body. And it's like, yes. we're over here doing kind of an incredible thing. We don't need to watch CTE in real time when Francesca yeah. labia is missing. It's missing. Yeah, put the call out, dude. Put the bat signal. I don't know, whatever the labia signal is. I would love to walk uh... by a cigar bar and see packs of men being like, whoa, to a C-section. <laughs> <laughs> amazing all right we gotta this has been all i could just talk about this for the I next know, hour I'm but sorry. no we've got very important news yeah. that has happened in the two weeks we've been away only the most important news this is the week where okay so obviously the biggest news is the supreme court uh being a completely unelected body of oligarchs um psych if only there were oligarchs but like um psycho like you know uh carrie's mom oligarchs who are just hell-bent on taking away 
any civil rights for anybody. They're going on such gorgeous trips. I mean, truly <laughs> incredible. I'm like, at a minimum, we gotta get that Clarence Thomas trip at Costco because this yeah. seems gorgeous. I would love to be able to, yeah, yeah. to you know, to get summer. the passport stamped where the Kavanaugh's have gone for free. Absolutely. But no, it's not enough. No, because there's there, that's the scratching the back. So that's the you scratch my yeah. back and they have to scratch the billionaires back. So this is, of course, we're in the middle of our hot verdict summer. It's almost over. I don't know what else could go wrong, but we have affirmative action, the right to discriminate. If that is if it, I just uttered those things, but basically LGBTQ plus rights and then student loan debt relief being struck down. So those are the three big ones. And I wanna like, I don't know which one tickles your anger or ire the most, Megan, but let's just start with the one that, that annoys me and upsets me the most personally. And maybe it's because it is, it feels a little personal, but this affirmative action mm -hmm. um, ruling, which was interesting because learning about affirmative action and actually how it all came to be and like what its origins are, you realize it never was even applied or enacted in earnest mm -hmm. without being immediately challenged by so many people. And in this case, it was a group called Students for Fair Admissions that was is headed by a right-wing activist named Ed Blum. Now, Ed Blum had had multiple cases before the Supreme Court around affirmative action, but he always had white plaintiffs. And he said at a conference in front of a bunch of Asians, I believe, it might have been outside of Vegas. Um, they were all drunk, obviously. Uh, no, and he said to them, I need Asian plaintiffs. So that's what he did. He recruited Asian plaintiffs to go forward to challenge the affirmative action, or at least the consideration of race in college admissions in Harvard and University of Northern Carolina. And he won. They won but we all lost. Uh, and interestingly, Asians, I think, also lost. So I want to just get into that um, because it's important. God, I don't... Where to start with this? Uh, let's just remember that actually Harvard started on its own accord. This is bizarre, but interesting. Not bizarre, but very interesting. That in 1968, after MLK Jr. was assassinated, Har the Harvard dean announced that he would commit I'm assuming he, uh, to enrolling a substantially higher number of black students than in the past, sort of because, because of this traumatic and horrific thing. And he said, quote, uh, the students who survived the hazards of poverty was intellectually thirsty and had room for growth. A student who had, excuse me, survived the hazards of poverty was intellectually thirsty and had room for growth would be given preference. Sort of a, again, hat tip to black Americans, black young people. For the Harvard class admitted in 1969, black enrollment jumped jumped of the 1202 freshmen of the class 90 were Amer african american up from 51 in 1968 76% increase so it's kind of like they just found it in the goodness of their hearts um as if harvard hasn't you know upheld slavers and all those things in the past but you know there there they have it uh so they did it on their own accord but in 65 Lyndon Johnson issued this executive order that prohibited employment discrimination based on race, color, religion, and national origin. So that was, it's not real. they call it affirmative action, but it wasn't really about sort of like deliberately trying to assist um, uh, uh, people of color, specifically black Americans. So that was in 1965. But then 
in 19 this is i'm sorry i have to i have to switch in night uh, i don't have a graphic for this but in 1978 a man uh challenged the university of california davis's admissions in terms of considering race in college applications he challenged him in 1978 this again this is just a few years after it was like approved of that it was okay to consider and he won he's a white guy and he claimed that black students were taking his place and he won. So what I'm trying to say, Megan, this is a roundabout way of saying it, is that it was effectively dead in the water before it even was enacted. So affirmative action was like an idea implemented piecemeal here and there. Um, then there was this decree from Johnson. And then it was immediately like challenged in a million different places to the point where actually even currently, even before the Supreme Court overturned it, um, nine states, Arizona, California, Florida, Idaho, Michigan, Nebraska, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, Washington, have previously banned affirmative action policies at public universities. So it was the places that it's still active in universities, it can only legally be a facet mm -hmm. of all that you consider when you consider a student's application. Now, under the uh, Supreme, uh, according to the Supreme Court, it can no longer be a facet. It is not a facet. But finally, who did it help? Who did it help? Ironically, since affirmative action, it has helped Asians far more than Blacks, than Hispanics, and a little bit of whites. But so white enrollment went down. This is a very non uh non-mathematical but generalized trends graph from the new york times which shows that actually asians were some of the biggest benefactors of this and blacks and hispanics remain underrepresented at top universities even as a share of white students and many of these schools has dropped in some cases below 50 percent the largest growth has been among asian students blah 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 i am mad that i'm chinese that this white guy took a bunch of Asian parents who were unable to get their kids into Harvard and was like, you know who we should blame? Black people. And they were able to use this model minority BS status in order to like win over and win this case. And a white, a majority white Supreme court was like, yeah. Oh yeah. This is perfect. This, Oh, we can wash our hands. We can use Asians the same way this guy's using Asians. And we're all golden. Uh, meanwhile, Asians overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly benefited. support affirmative action and have benefited. Yeah, it's really um, too bad because you, I think amongst white people, especially the white people I grew up around, affirmative action was always a very dirty phrase um yeah. and it's one of those things where it was like it, it was it was a victim of really bad branding um and you hope that the supreme court of of all institutions i guess will be above what sort of common dumbasses think and yes. and you see like oh you're just like you're just like us. You're as stupid as my parents' neighbor. And that's really yeah. <laughs> shocking. It's also like on on just 
like a pride level. If I didn't get into a college, I wouldn't take it to the Supreme Court. Like that's an L. So I embarrassing. Just everyone knows. Quiet to be like, like if everyone knew I didn't get into UC Santa Barbara, which I'm telling you everybody right now, but I took that to the Supreme Court be like, damn girl, you didn't get into UCSB. That's so embarrassing. Like that's so, <laughs> so embarrassing. crazy embarrassing. I am, <laughs> I am married to an, an Asian man. Very stupid. Um, not, <laughs> he is stupid. Very stupid. He went to three colleges. It took him seven years to graduate with one degree. And you don't see him going to the Supreme Court going, oh, well, I'm mad that I'm Asian and not smart. It's just that's sometimes that's how the, the chips fall. I, I also like I think the thing that's that is sad, too. I went to a mm-hmm. very diverse socioeconomically and racially diverse high school. And I loved mm-hmm. it. It was so fun. And I think for you to be like, I don't want to go to school with black people. One, you're racist. Two, I don't think you've ever been around black people because you're just going to make it not fun. Because um, when I went to college, there were no black people. They're just, it was a yeah. m- predominantly white and Asian college. And I was like, well, this sucks. And you're only hurting yourself as a racist white person by going, I'm not going to be around anyone else. I only want to be around people that look like me, think like me, have the same upbringing as me. And it's like, okay, well, you're going to, you're going to go to the airport and have a really bad time um, because there's other people out in the world and we can learn from them. And and I think don't ever ride public transportation. Like that, I think that is subway some of the some of what um the dissenting justices were saying of like this is not something that we that it was put in place to just benefit black students we think having a diverse population at higher education schools is beneficial to everyone and the reality right. is it is i don't want to yeah. be around a bunch of megans that ha- i know my story so i don't need 10 others i would rather be around people that have a different story that i can learn from and that i, I mean that's almost like greedy it's like we should be pulling from each other and and so right. it's it's really sad which too, is to still, know that that's which a is mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think what you, when you what you first said is right on the money in terms of the myth around affirmative action became so much louder and greater than what it actually was doing. The idea that like, well, if you, you know, like uh, if you just have a little, if you're just mixed or you have a little bit of Asian or mm-hmm. you're, you're mm-hmm. half black, like you'll get in, the doors will open up to you as if that was ever the case. And as if that was in practice, what happened, but it did, we have seen a rise, you know, in enrollment of black young, young student, which is still is like actually not much better than in the eighties in the year 2023. Um, but it was better than it was in like the sixties, you know? So it's all, it's just so ridiculous. And it is, um, it's okay because I mean, it's not okay, but I do feel like this is part of like, um, getting serious and honest about who affirmative action was supposed to help. And if th- that was black Americans for past wrongs, then affirmative action was a terrible tool in which to do that. And we, and it was not specific enough and we need to go farther either with actual reparations or with some kind of, you know, whatever it might be. I mean, it, you could, we could go big revolution, third reconstruction, fucking take it all. Like, <laughs> let's do it. 
what you know or it's whatever you know imagine in in education in housing in all kinds of ways you know uh we can actually target the people that were meant to be targeted of course not without a lot of white folks getting mad um and the last thing i'll say megan is like even when you just said like the diversity it's good for all people i totally agree with you but isn't that such a weird way to frame it that like we're still sort of pandering to white people to be like, this is See, good, it's for good for you to go to school with the people. I mean, you don't want to live in the same neighborhood right. as them, but you know, like, be in a classroom. Um, yeah. yeah. And no, it's like, it, which I, I agree with, like, and it's also not just white kids, but like, I agree with it, but it's like, that's how we're trying to fucking shoehorn this issue, which is an issue of justice into an issue just about education. And it's like, actually, I don't well, know. Well, white people were, they're not going to, myself i'm a wife um you know accept anything that is not going to benefit them so you almost do have to phrase it as ah. like no but this is going to be good for you too and they're like yes no we still don't like it yes well let's move to uh there's two more but quickly uh what happened in uh the next case around um god why am i blanking on it the f a fucking web designer Y'all, a web designer. Who is an um, artist. I mean, that's what it came down to. They were like, she's an artist. Right. And okay. we get to discriminate. Like, Megan, when you do stand up and you see, um, like, a ginger mm -hmm. in the audience, aren't you like, I can't perform? The only <laughs> people I discriminate against when I'm performing stand up are men in sandals with their feet on the stage. And I say <laughs> yeah. they must get off the stage before I can continue. That's fair. That is the worst thinking. Your Putting your feet on the stage is such a dick move of like, I'm here because like one time I tried stand up and I hate it. Don't make me laugh. <laughs> and it's like they never have good, you know, it's like I, I definitely like sneakers. They're never cool sneakers. They're never <laughs> someone who's like legs are too long. It's really just like, I, you know what? I can't put my dick on the stage. So I'll put my hideous, weird frog shoes on the stage. Wow. Is that a shot at Crocs? No, I love Crocs. Okay. <laughs> no, that's a shot at like the ones where you can see all the toes. <laughs> okay. Um, so 303 Creative, right? Versus Elenis. Um, This is, again, it was completely fictional. It was made up. There was... There was no... How, why would they even take this? It's such a waste exactly. of time. Exactly. So they're right. There was no actual uh, gay couple asking for a web design from this woman. Uh, she basically they, made that up. Nor it, would they. Nor would they. Um, which actually, ironically, was the I don't know, remember which justice, but in, you know, uh, their excuse was basically like, well, gay people wouldn't want to like even have their website designed by her anyway. So it's OK for her to discriminate. In fact, Neil Gorsuch called it <laughs> Uh, this kind of discrimination, expressive conduct. So the, yes, it is expressive conduct to say uh, no homos allowed. Um, that's pretty much what they ruled um, because under the First Amendment, you can now discriminate on your religious basis um, to not service or uh, like accept any gay patrons. So this is already being put to use just to, uh, recently in Michigan. Apparently a hair a, a owner of a hair salon put a sign outside of their business saying, if a human identifies as anything other than a man slash woman, please seek services at a local pet groomer. <gasps> <laughs> you are not welcome at this salon period. So some anti-trans BS for you. Um, just 
so, so heinous. And, and again, like, again, we, we could go over it, but it was a fabricated, yes. fabricated case that, um, this is in Slate, that was actually litigated in the, in the civil rights movement, again. And the Supreme Court found that no First Amendment right to discriminate in public accommodations exists. The court also declined, if you guys remember this, the 2018 Masterpiece Cake Shop um, cake. declined to hear that case. Um, but as the dissent pointed out, the court's personnel has dramatically changed yeah. with two new Trump appointed judges having filled seats previously held by Kennedy and Ginsburg. So here we are in this world and like we're backsliding. So like at this point, again, it's just like when does the discrimination end? It's not just going to be gay people. Obviously, it's trans people. It's going to be people of color. It's going to, you know, uh, mixed race couples. Who knows? Maybe it's just like, um. So, like, the brownies go over here, yeah. the brown ones, um, and the white ones are over here. And they didn't really address any of – I think that was uh, – the dissenting justices were like, this is a very slippery slope. Um, and they basically were like, yeah, well, we're just talking about this one web designer, so I think we're good. And it's like, no, that's – this is – you're <laughs> – Whoever looks at the Supreme Court for, like, precedent or and whatever they, or, like – it's not dissimilar from what you were saying earlier about the guy being like, I need to find Asian plaintiffs. It's like this, she, they're in Colorado. She knows the cake guy. She was like, well, right. what happened to the cake guy could happen to me in my hypothetical dream world. And so it's like, okay, so now we're just looking at the makeup of the core. And, and, and the thing is yes. it's like, they're they're evil but they are smart like they're they're on the offensive they put this court in place it is don't you feel like we learned a lot and took tests a lot about checks and balances like that was a, an entire like fourth grade lesson checks and balances here are the three branches and they check and it's like there is no check for this it's very fun. No, I do think that if if anything, the Trump administration, I forgot which comic has a bit about this. It's like, you know, but we all know like the secretary of like the interior now, you know what I mean? Like yeah. now we all know like, you know, just like random. Do we have a secretary of interior? Did I just make that up? You know what I'm saying? You like know, we yeah. all the are. Betsy DeVos's are burned in the brains. And yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Like I know um, Ryan Zinke, I think it was under Trump. But like the idea that yes, it takes um losing your democracy or nearly losing it to understand it and appreciate it yeah. and see, oh, that's how that works. And you're exactly right. Yes, there need to be checks and balances. The Supreme Court's absolutely off their shit. Here's Biden's reaction to all of the decisions. We'll get to maybe what he's doing around student loan uh debt relief, but this was a very fun little Biden moment. If you can't hear him, he says, uh this is not a normal court to a question that's shouted at him. President Biden, the Congressional Black Caucus and the Supreme Court has thrown into question its own legitimacy. Is this a rogue court? This is not a normal court. Should there be term limits for the justices, sir? Now, the him way that was... the door and be like, I got... <laughs> an egg salad sandwich waiting bitch like <laughs> what are you doing I, he, he's like uh, this is not a normal court it's very like hey grandpa does santa claus exist because the kid in school said santa claus wasn't real santa claus is real 
Bye. <laughs> like he's so tired. I'm, I'm sorry. That, that's playing into the rights. Uh, he's he needs a nap. But he th- th- this what I love about Biden is when he says these things, the media picks it up as like Biden slams Supreme Court. This is not a normal court, and they all like freak out. Like, oh, we are just so desperate for. Like I look. I don't love Trump's version of senility, but. I do wish we had that version playing for our team. Yeah. Um, which is just angry, angry old man instead of sort of defeated old man. Yeah. Which is that that vibe. We're definitely not fighting fire no. with fire. No. No. However, and the last thing I want to touch on is this dumbass student loan relief uh, um whatever, like cancellation or being struck down, striking, canceling the cancellation, you know, two doubles, two negatives make a pot. I don't know. Basically, the Supreme Court said, no, no, no. Congress is the only body that can actually wipe out the student debt, which is not true. Um, But uh, Biden is going to try other avenues. And so he's going to use the Higher Education Act of 1965 um, and which allows you to compromise, waive, or release any title claim, lien, or demand on student debtors. And it authorizes the department to waive equity claims, comp- uh, comprise a debt in any amount, and modify any provision of a loan note. So, in other words, he can still do this um, through this avenue. We'll see. Apparently, it's going to take a lot longer. But I just want to say, if you guys are of one of the 16 million people who did sign up to get your student loan debt uh, canceled, like, stay in line <laughs> like, yeah. like don't let them pull the wool over don't sleep on this shit because um it seems like they might do means testing like it seems like they might be like okay the, the students with the most debt or the students who are making have the least amount of income they might prioritize them but like let's all stay on them um to so they're fighting back, Megan. There's a little fight. Yeah. There's a mini fight. It, it's really, uh, like, this is actually very stupid of the Republicans because it's like a lot of people want this. This is very popular. This hurts no one. This is like a victimless, not even, cro- my student, I my student debt is gone. And I'm still like, yes, do this. Like, And it's, I don't yeah. know, it's, I, I it's the one thing the Democrats should point to this and and a woman's choice. They should point to this and Roe v. Wade and go, these are the two things that we really got totally fucked on. Um, and I hope you vote for us still because like that's really all that's left. I think that's all that I think you're right. I th- and I think like I was feeling really messed up a week ago. I mean, I still am, but it's like if they don't fight on those two precise battlegrounds around reproductive rights and around student debt relief, the one thing that they will like, have, we know the one thing, right. That I mean, student debt, they promised, but, but reproductive rights, it's like how many, how many people are looking to this administration for action. And this is the voting base, man. They're young Gen Z Gen Zers who are becoming voting age. Who are like, give me a reason. Throw guns in. Throw guns in there. Gun. ARs. Reproductive rights. College is a pyramid scheme. Throw them all in the fucking pot. And maybe, maybe if I And maybe, uh, you know, this is not. Yeah, exactly. Maybe Santa Claus truly is 
real. Um, with that, speaking of Roe v. Wade, we got to bring in uh, my guest, my other guest, who's an independent journalist who writes about the economy, um, who is a reporter in residence at the Omi Dyer Network and a contributing writer at The Nation. Her writing has appeared in New York Times, Time Magazine, The Washington Post, New York Magazine, Wired, The New Republic, Slate, and others. Please welcome Bryce Covert. Bryce, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So we were just talking or bitching about uh, reproductive rights going away, and it's now been a year. And um, there's so many stories out there, and you went to Mississippi and covered one of those stories in terms of who is being impacted by the lack of abortion rights um, and, like, what are they going through? And, and I feel like there's hundreds of thousands of stories for every one person we profile. Um, but I guess I wanted to ask you, what happened in Mississippi? Like, what happened as soon as Dobbs came down, um, you know, as in other red states? But explain. Right. So Mississippi had already passed what's called a trigger law, basically. And it was bipartisan legislation, actually, to if Roe v. Wade ever fell, uh, it would automatic, automatically go into effect and ban basically all abortions in the state. Um, so Mississippi is also the state where the Dobbs case originated. Um, it was brought right. by the last remaining abortion clinic in the state over a 15-week uh, abortion ban that the, that the legislature tried to pass, um, which made its way to the Supreme Court. Uh, in the Dobbs decision, they overturned Roe v. Wade. So after that, as soon as the state attorney general certified that that had happened, um, the trigger law was set to go into effect. And on July 7th of last year, the state had banned abortion. And in terms of like surrounding states that also applied or what, what was your sense of, because I know that many Mississippians would seek abortions in other states. Right. Yeah. If you look at the map where abortion is banned right now, Mississippi is basically right at the center, like right in the middle of a bunch of states that have also banned abortion. It's, it's, there's no uh, bordering state where it's currently legal. And a lot of those states had similar trigger bans that went into effect pretty quickly. So very right. quickly, not only is abortion banned in Mississippi, but as you're saying, there was nowhere nearby to go to to get an abortion. Um, and that's just a trend that's continued. You know, more and more states have passed bans or limits and access is disappearing very rapidly in the South. And so some people have been able to travel, but we know that tens of thousands have not been able to, um, yeah. and have likely ended up being forced to give birth. And, and, so, I just, and you profiled someone. Just, oh, go I ahead, Megan. Say, I'm from Indiana. I'm from a Midwestern state. And the, there was a, a 12 year old child who was brought to Indiana from Ohio, um, yes. who was a, a victim of rape and the abortion was performed in Indiana, which would now be illegal there. And the doctor in Indiana has, um, faced punishment and was fined by, uh, the state there. So I think we, do look at the South and be like, whoa, but it's like, it's seemingly, it, it, it's moving North. It's spreading to States too. I mean, Indiana's a red state. Ohio is, is red and not coming back, but it's gone to other places that you're like, oh, this is, this is knocking on the doors of, of homes that we thought had more rational people inside of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think that's, a, I mean, oh, and the board suit, I mean, they find her. Yeah the doctor on some bullshit yeah. too. Like it was like, you violated the patient's HIPAA rights. It's like, 
No, you didn't. No, no. she didn't. It was like they they find other ways other than the actual what they're really talking about, which is performing the abortion on a 10 year old rape victim um, to punish people that isn't related necessarily to that act. They're like, oh, you violated. No, no, she didn't. She didn't. Anyway, that's that is one case. Um, but this is a, I mean, you profiled uh, her name is Latiana Halbert, if I'm pronouncing that right. Lashana. 20, <laughs> Lashana. Thank you. Lashana Halbert. Um, 26. She's already a mom. Um, tell me about her and, and what happened. Yeah, she's she's very typical of the kinds of people who seek abortions. She had a four-year-old son. Um, she wanted to give him a sibling someday, but she wanted it to be under the right conditions. They living in a, they live in an apartment. She works full time, but she makes eight fifty an hour, and it's just really hard to make that stretch. Um, her now fiance Kendall also works and he makes better money as a welder, but he's working basically nonstop all the time. Um, she wants to move out of Jackson. I mean, Jackson, Mississippi has been subject to, you know, this water crisis and the potholes there are crazy. You know, she wanted to live in a better neighborhood or even maybe move states. Uh, she wanted a better school and opportunities for her existing son royalty before she had another kid, just all these things to be in place. And yeah. then uh, last summer, just a few weeks after the trigger law in her state went into effect, she found out that she was pregnant and um, looked into uh, making an abortion appointment online with what would have been the exist last existing clinic, only to pretty quickly figure out that it had been shuttered by the trigger law, looked into traveling. Um, the best that she and her fiance could come up with was going to Philadelphia but the procedure alone would have been hundreds of dollars and then there would have been travel and they just did not have the money at all. Um, and so- Right, it was what, $700 according to your reporting to get for the abortion, not including obviously airfare, hotel, whatnot. Exactly. And you know, there are funds out there, there are abortion funds that make travel money available, but you know, I think it's hard to connect those to everyone who needs them. I don't think mm -hmm. people are necessarily aware that those exist. The other thing too, is that she was afraid of criminalization. She was afraid mm. that if she left to get her state to get an abortion and came back, that she'd be arrested. And while that's not explicitly in Mississippi's law, I mean, you were just talking about the Indiana case. I think it's really just a real wild west. People are mm -hmm. afraid, rightfully afraid. Things are changing a lot. She has a son, she has a job. <laughs> there was no way she was going to risk getting arrested either. So she ended up um, deciding to go through with the, well, being forced really to go through with the pregnancy and had her baby at the end of January. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and luckily was a healthy baby. I mean, and she was healthy given like, you know, black maternal mortality rates in this country and how little we care for actual moms once they become moms again. But can I just clarify, did she actually call Jackson women's health for, to, to see if they had appointments? She went on their website um, and okay. tried to make an appointment there and just never heard back. And it was a day or so later, she was watching the news at her mom's house. And there was like a segment about the trigger, trigger ban going into effect. And she put two and two together and was like, oh, that's why I didn't hear back. Uh, I can't, I can't get an abortion. Jesus, the actual epicenter of this. And and I, I actually wanted to, because there was another tidbit in there that's healthcare related, which is that she was using birth control um, um, I believe what it was it the like um, 
it's the like implant. A, yeah, it's a hormonal implant in the arm. I don't right. know what brand, but and right. so you know, it's a long-acting contraception, but it does expire, and so hers had expired, and she went to get it taken out, and she has private insurance through her job at a school, but it's terrible. It costs a ton of money just to have the policy, and then to use it is hundreds of dollars. So it cost her three hundred bucks to get it out. She didn't have the money to oh, put God. a new one in. And I think in her mind was sort of like, okay, I'll just do it as soon as I've got the money. It'll be fine. And within a month, she was pregnant. <clears throat> it's just like, and then that's sort of, you know, the crux of it, right? Like this is reproductive healthcare is about all healthcare. It's about how inaccessible it is in general. Not only that abortion is healthcare, but that contraception is also healthcare. I mean, it's, it's kind of, I mean, what's really fucked, and I don't know, Megan, how you feel about this, but it's like, I think there's now a push, especially in red states, for like, okay, well, then what about free contraception for everybody or low cost, you know, if, you, you know, you're forcing people into birth. Um, but it feels, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, but like, it feels like we're already ceding territory. Like, I believe in that. I agree in, with that. But it feels like, oh, now we're fighting on this new battle line that you just drew. Well, and and it's almost, I I speak publicly about it. I had an abortion, a state-funded ab abortion in New York. Um, and I was on birth control. And I always feel the need to say, well, I was on birth control. It's like, it's, it really doesn't yeah. matter if I was or not. I was, I was on bad health insurance and I was on the incorrect right. dosage for my age. And so it's all these dominoes of, well, this kind of proof. And I am a like middle-class white woman. And, and I wasn't at the time, yeah. but it's like, I could have had so many other ways of, of getting out of the situation. And I still did not find a, a way to get out of it. And mm -hmm. besides having an abortion, I mean, you brought up, there's not clean water. This, she is yeah. having a child in a place where there is not water that is clean and safe for them to drink. And it's like, that should be reason enough to go, oh, I, I actually don't want to bring a child into this situation. Right. Yes. The other thing too, is that, you know, maybe there's some talk about expanding access to contraception, but I, I'm just dubious that there are lawmakers in these states who really want to take action to help families. I, you know, Mississippi hasn't expanded Medicaid. It only just this year expanded <clears throat> postpartum Medicaid coverage for up to a year. Otherwise, Lashana would have been kicked off um, 60 days after giving birth. So, you know, Sons and gone back on her awful, crappy <laughs> private health insurance. Yeah. Um, and she's lucky to have health insurance at all yes. in a state like that. Um, there were all sorts of proposals this session in Mississippi to do lots of things, raise the minimum wage, enact paid family leave, increase childcare subsidies. None of it happened. The, instead, they've given tax credits to crisis pregnancy centers, and they want to use their state surplus to eliminate the income tax. Like, mm -hmm. these are the priorities. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've heard some state lawmakers sort of talk about, like, okay, now we're going to step up for families, and I just have not seen it happen really anywhere. Mm -mm. Yeah, I, because I think that's part of the plan of they want people to be saddled with costs and and children that they cannot care for. I also think her believing that it would be criminal of her to travel out of the state is part of the plan. They want yeah. people to yes. think that there's nowhere that they can go. Right. Yes. 
Right. I was just reading uh, a story about the day the pink house closed, the last remaining clinic in Mississippi, um, or sorry, not the day it closed, the day that the Dobbs decision came down and it was very much open. They stayed open up until July 7th, seven days a week, um, you know, seeing 40 to 50 patients a day. But the anti-abortion protesters went down to the end of the road and started telling people Roe v. Wade was overturned. The clinic is closed. Go home. You know, like they just want they don't care really what's on the books. They just want to spread fear around this as much as possible. Well, this is my and this is, again, someone from the outside who has not worked in this space and, you know, just sort of like raging. But I am actually kind of astounded that the clinics um, that were providing abortion um, have closed and that a lot of them haven't even stayed open for general reproductive care, right? Um, or access to contraception. A lot of them have just simply closed um, out of fear of, you know, yeah, being criminalized or any kind of lawsuit or, or whatnot. But that also like doctors are consulting with their hospital's legal team before performing basic like, you know, uh, like DNIs or I believe they're D right. Or just like any kind of like treatment of someone who is miscarrying, who has like an ectopic pregnancy that like, and maybe I'm being harsh, but like the medical field and even some of these abortion providers are like so shook and, and aren't actually able to, for whatever reason, take a stand to continue operating. I like, I, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. I, I feel like I have heard from doctors that they do not want to go to red states to perform their you know to continue their specialty and it's it's more because they don't think that they can give patients the quality of care that they would like to be able to not even but like mm. they they take mm. an oath and and I think they think to go to these places it is in direct conflict with the oath that they take because they can't actually perform the services that they're supposed to as doctors right there are also there are some clinics who have stayed open for gen for other care for other types of care I do know the pink house the owner um did close the clinic uh but relocated to as close a state by as she could. And I think a lot of clinics have tried to do that to make themselves as close by and available as they can. I mean, I, I think they're facing really bad choices. Um, yes. I do wish we saw more doctors pushing the limits of the law and not feeling, you know, sort of self regulating themselves before, you know, I think that they've been very cautious to the point of not giving care where they probably could. And I wish we could see a little bit more boldness there. Um, but I think, you know, we've put everybody in an awful position. This should just be legal and accessible. And people are now extremely scared and working in um, very confusing and shifting legal regimes. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's really hard out there. Yeah. I think so too, and I'm I'm still waiting for the the floating abortion clinic. Um, I was promised last year was the story, and I don't know what's going on. Doctor Meg Autry, I got you, girl. She's at UCSF. What the hell? When's it coming? Um, just dock up in the Gulf and help people. But yeah, it's. I mean, you write on the economy, Bryce, and I, um, I believe you're also a parent. Is that correct? I am. Yeah. You know, and so is Megan, and so am I. And I just everything is just coming at us real fast and hard here. As as moms, as who have let many people, many women have left the workforce thanks to the pandemic. 
now for sure after in the wake of Roe v. Wade being overturned effectively um, and having no extra support for families at all, as you mentioned, just economically, like, do you think this is something in, you know, 10 years when you're going to be reporting or five years like that, that we're going to see the impact on women specifically of these decisions? I do. And, and our, mm-hmm. I, I do. I mean, the, the data is really clear that women who seek abortions and aren't able to get them are far more likely to be to fall into poverty, to not be working, to have to give up on their life dreams, to end up in debt, to end up evicted. I mean, the list goes on and it continues on for years and years afterward. And that was true before Dobbs because abortion access was already incredibly spotty in this country. But now we have huge swaths of the country where people cannot get an abortion where they live and often don't have the means to get one somewhere else. And that's mm-hmm. what they face. And and they know that's what they face. That's why these women are going to seek abortions in the first place. A lot of them, the majority of them are already parents and they know what it means to bring a child into the world and what it costs to take care of them and what it takes from their careers and their lives to care for children. And yes. they say, I know I'm not ready. If I do this now, this is going to set everything off on a bad path. And then they don't get the abortion and they're, they're proven right. Um, and yes, I think in five years, 10 years, there will be higher poverty. There will be people who are not giving our economy and our society what they were meant to give us, basically. Their, their productivity, their dreams, their dignity are going to be squashed. And I, I do think that will show up in economic data for sure. Mm-hmm. MAGA, everybody. Uh, amazing. <laughs> Anything else, uh, Megan, you want to add or Bryce, you want to add? I just, I think that the data is pretty clear that the kids go on to not have great existences too. I think it will yeah. also, and I don't want to like say the big C word, like it's scary, but crime increases. If you have children brought into the world that do not have a great situation or a, a, a a want, then a lot of things go poorly for not just the mom, but for the family unit and the community as a whole. Yeah. yeah. It's I mean, their potential this. too. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. I mean, aren't there are specific stats that link not only to like a lack of like lead, lead paint being used in homes. That was like number one, but then also um, when the abortion, when pi- the pill, not the yes. abortion pill, when contraception uh, came out and the pill came out was like, Oh, Amazing. And then there was like a deep correlation in like whatever it was, 15, 20 years to uh, lower crime rates. Um, but, you know, Megan, you're not on the Supreme Court. You're not an oligarch who's like, how can I uphold my agenda and my white minority rule and like give more money to the military and the police um, and have little worker bees that are paid nothing? That's the agenda. So. Anyway, until we are all oligarchs, uh, no, I, Bryce, I'm trying to lighten this somehow, <laughs> but I can't. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, get back to um, crushing it, living your life, writing all the awesome investigative work that you're doing. How can people find you and follow your work? I'm still on Twitter for now. I'm also <laughs> on Blue Sky, if anyone's there. Uh, I have a yeah. website, which is BriceCovert.com. I'm on threads, but please don't make me do threads. Um, okay. But okay. yeah, I'll, I'll be posting my stuff at all those places. Amazing. Uh, which, if you had to choose between, we're going to play this game in a very little bit. If you had to choose between threads, Blue Sky, and Twitter. I really like um, Blue Sky. Okay. 
You like blue sky. I do because it feels like old Twitter. And I, so far I'm not like, like a lot of nice people are there and you know, Twitter is not a nice place anymore. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm really old, but I open threads and I'm so confused and there's like a McDonald's and there's like a Netflix and I'm, yeah. I don't, I can't find my friends. It's like being in a giant mall and I know one person and I have, <laughs> I don't have a cell phone and I don't know where to find them. Threads so. is also <laughs> really- owned by Zuckerberg. So it's like, yeah. we're saying, oh my God, this is like the nice alternative. And it's like for now. And then no. yeah, it'll, it'll it- be dark too. They're already scraping all your personal data yes, and shipping yes. it off. So, no thanks. Do you have time to stay for a fuck Mary kill question on blue sky Twitter threads, Bryce? You got to go. Uh, I should probably run to go get my aforementioned child. Child. <laughs> go yes. get your child. We will continue this in a little bit. All right. Well, I love that analogy. Thanks so much, Bryce. Be very well. And thank you, Megan. We. <laughs> Let's continue this for right now, and then we'll go back to the pickleball discussion. Okay. So if you had to fuck, Mary kill, because you just mentioned that, like, Threads is owned by Zuckerberg. Yeah. Twitter is owned by Elon, Elon yeah. Musk, obviously. Um, Blue Sky is was an, a bra- the brainchild of Jack Dorsey. Yeah. But. Formerly of Twitter. Um, but who's arguably, like, the most kind of, like, broody. I don't know if he's a billionaire. Yeah. Maybe he's just, like, a he multi-millionaire. He feels the most of the three yeah. mega, yeah. mega he's, rich maniacs. Yeah, like, he goes, I feel like he's he has, like, a compostable toilet, you know? Okay, okay. <laughs> For some reason. So, if, yeah, if Threads is kind of is kind of a mall. That's so true. That you're like, I don't want to go anywhere. Can I just sit in, like, what's the least disgusting place in the food court that I could eat? Um, I know you're very pro-mall. I mean, it depends on the mall. I love malls. (laughs) So do you. I love malls. So we play sex elect overthrow, but I feel like this needs a fuck, marry, kill situation. Blue sky, Twitter, or threads. Which, are we saying um, by proxy, Jack, Elon, or Mark? In a way, in a way, in a because way. they're sort of representative of of the technology now. I'm I'm killing Twitter, um, and it feels really good. And then, <laughs> Twitter has brought me like some some good times, you know. But it mm-hmm. is time for me to hold a pillow over its face. <laughs> but wouldn't you do that in a marriage? I feel like any healthy marriage. Well, my husband's allergic to all seafood. So it's like, I could just, you know, give him a bisque and it's a wrap. Um, <laughs> so I'm killing Twitter. I'm, I'm fucking threads. Cause it's like Ooh, yes. fun for now. You know, like, <laughs> it's so everybody's like, we're here. But it's going to get dark. Like, you just know this isn't going to end well. It's a fling. And then I'm, and I'm marrying, I'm marrying blue sky because maybe nice guys don't finish last. <laughs> I think that was so, that's so perfect. Are you even on blue sky though? No. <laughs> but like, See? maybe my friend will set me up and I'll be like, this isn't really my type. But I thought blue sky at first, didn't you need to be invited? Like, I don't, I, I, yeah, you need an invite code. Uh, I have one if you want it. You can have it. I don't know if you know if you want another platform. I mean, for me, I'm. I feel like I'm definitely. 
I've always been hate fucking Twitter. Like mm -hmm. that's been since day one. Mm -hmm. I have a horrible love hate relationship with Twitter. I never tweet. I, I think everything is misconstrued and misunderstood. I'm definitely better in person, even with all the ums, ahs and mess ups. Like I am much better. You can read my tone, but I just, I don't know, even though I have a lot of followers on Twitter. So I guess I'm like, I think blue skies probably, mm, mm. I think I'm fucking Twitter. Uh -huh. Wow. Okay. I think blue sky, I think blue sky, I don't think I want, I don't want to kill it, but I think it's going to oh. die. You're killing my husband. <laughs> yeah. Killing your husband. I've got the bisque ready. No, this is, I'm just doing this because you basically, I want to do something different. Yeah, okay. So I think. We're killing Blue Sky's natural death. Mm -hmm. um, even though I do agree it's a better place to be. And Threads is like, we're happy here. What's going on? Like, what? Oh, my God. Um, like, Threads Threads is definitely, you know what's funny? Threads has the most brain fart material that, like, I kind of relate to, but I don't want to read. I want to post, but I don't want to read that. Right, because it's your Instagram followers. Right, and the people right, you follow exactly. on They're... Instagram, it's like, I don't want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Can describe to me the the like the bikini you're wearing in the paradise you're posed in front of like um that's what it is i hate them all i don't know what to say on any of them i much prefer the podcast format the live stream format so i don't know i guess i'm marrying threads and trying to make him better yeah um i mean i think zuckerberg might be the least right wing out of all i think dorsey has weird libertarian stuff i think elon of course and i think zuck <laughs> despite well, everything might be the least politically messed up. I, he, I do love how he applies sunscreen. Like that is yeah. something that I'm like, I that's, that's husband material. You're like, oh, just in his rash guard with like not wiped in. I go, what a little, what a little dork. The person who actually married his wife. What is her name? I can't remember her name, but uh, you know, he made her sign a prenup. Well, I mean, of course, I guess of course. it's still more than I'm getting, you know, <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. Oh, she's fine. She's fine. It just was funny to me. Um, I feel like I definitely anyway, I feel like ex wives of billionaires are the only chance the left has at getting funded. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like I know people who who have like, was it like former I can't remember who it was. Was it uh, Warren Buffett has like an ex who like gives to good stuff. Bezos's ex gives to good stuff. And then like got with it's like a science teacher. Like I'm like, ooh, yeah. that's a fun journey. Lover. Um, all right. We've got one last story to end this show. It is the pickleball discourse. There is pickleball discourse, everybody. Apparently pickleball is driving everyone insane. Mm -hmm. Um People who live by pickleball courts mm -hmm. are complaining en masse that it is ruining their lives. Mm -hmm. uh, the New York Times has this hilarious article. Um, there was one, and we're going to look at it, a February uh, 6th city council meeting in Westland, Oregon. Residents have been vexed by the constant click-clacking from Tanner Creek Park. Now let's listen to a few of those residents. Our guests are shocked by how loud the pickleball play is. Even people who play the sport are shocked at how loud and how annoying this is, especially when you are trying to relax in your own backyard. We are afraid that if we sell our home, the noise from the pickleball courts may affect the sale of our home, both price and time on the market. Was there anything sent out to the neighbors regarding converting tennis courts to pickleball courts, being that 
that it's a new sport. I wasn't, I wasn't even aware that, that the noise factor was as bad as it is, and, and it, it's substantial. Uh, last summer, uh, there were numerous nights where pickleball was going on at 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, um, which is past most of our bedtimes, to say the least. Last summer, my pickleball group played pickleball together, then came over to our house for a potluck after. We were relaxing outside, enjoying the summer evening, and two of the ladies turned to their husband and Dan and I and said they could not believe how loud the pickleball was from our backyard. One of them commented immediately, I could never live here with that noise going on like this. <gasps> the guests are saying something. Uh, wait, so we have it. I have it here to listen to. This is also from The Times. I'm a lib. Um, let's see if we can hear what it actually sounds like. I like the music. <laughs> I like the music <laughs> in the back. Nice. That's annoying. And and I'll I. So this issue, this so pickleball's obviously had like a bigger year than Brussels sprouts, you know, like it's been like huge for them. And it but pickleball, I think this was becoming an issue. People were fighting about it in Orange County like six years ago. Like whenever pickleball starts somewhere, everyone's like, oh great, fun. And then and and part of the main issue is they're taking tennis courts. So it's not yes. just the sound too. There's a Tennis, war. at most, at most you have four people on a court. With pickleball, they can divide one court into, I think, four different pickleball courts. Ooh. So you can have like quadruple the amount of people, which then also means quadruple the amount of cars. So where I take right. my son to go to story time at a public library, they have made two tennis courts into eight pickleball courts and there are signs Ooh. everywhere that say do not park in the library parking lot so this like tiny library where we should be able to park because we're bringing our children in has been overrun by For drag queen story hour by a drag queen story hour where they show us their genitalia with a massive yes. amount of cars and it's it's creating like gridlock like i feel like i'm one of these subaru gals you just saw on there you know that's like clearly <laughs> champagne problems but it, it no, really totally. it's like if you think at two two tennis courts is now basically 16 tennis courts it's like well that's not what i signed up for my childhood home is near a tennis court and i would listen to like the yeah but it's not that bad no. and the fun part would be hearing go, someone go like oh yeah Ah, yeah. Ah, ah. But I can't imagine the sound of pickleball, which is kind of just like lazy tennis, right? You're like yes. closer and it's just like diggy, 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 yes. like that. I mean, it sounds like I'd be into it. I, that's the problem with pickleball. I feel like if I played oh. it, I'd be like, this is really fun. But then you could just play tennis, Francesca. Look at you. You're yeah, young. I'm... You're fit. Get on a tennis court. We <laughs> live a, a, someone in our neighborhood has a batting cage. And it starts Ooh. at 6 a.m. and it goes till 10 p.m. But it's one kid in there. And I see like kids being brought in and brought out with bat bags. And there's something almost like Americana about it. Yeah. Even yeah, yeah, the yeah. Noise, I'm like, yes, I'm hearing this bat, but it's like, 
not that often. But America. Not that. It's for America. It's, it's not for America. not creating extra traffic. Like it's it's right. really I mean, that woman, these people are pickleball players. And they're like, it's got to stop. I know. She was like, but then she was like, and then we were judged for the sound. Yeah. Last three quotes. This is my favorite. One guy says, and this is in West uh, Massachusetts, Wesley. It's like having a pistol range in your backyard. No, it's not. Uh, Clint, no, it's not. Clint Ellis. No, that's, that's way worse. Clint Ellis says, it's a torture technique. He lives in Maine. Um, living here is hell, says Debbie Nagel, 67, whose gated community in Ari Scottsdale, Arizona, was in solid co courts a few years ago. I love how, like, also, like, not first world, but like white people problems. No, yeah, this is like, is, like the worst thing that ever happened to them. Problems because it's like tired they, don't, like, they don't have like, anyone to ah! fight with at work. Their kids probably don't speak to them. Um, you right. know, so they're just like, well, I guess I gotta like create war. But of all the wholesome things we've seen white people freak out about at city council meetings, this is great. Have at it, yeah. dude. Like make there's like a pickleball like anti-pickleball leagues go for it whatever occupies the retirees time yes. that isn't you know hate maybe they'll forget to vote for republicans if they're <laughs> consumed with their pickleball war i just am very proud you know it's like liking i don't i don't know anything about music so this is my i liked the band before you did it's like i've been against right. pickleball since the moment i laid ears on it and yes. I was right. And it also proves you can only get so big in this country before we love to watch you fall. Mm, that's so true. We're going to cancel. Pickleball is going to be like on Fox News um, being like the woke anti-decibel league is coming for me. That's amazing. Uh, I just have to. This this is my favorite. Um one guy said one of our neighbors who lived directly across from the courts was dying of cancer. <gasps> And noted that the pickleball noise was worse than his cancer. Sadly, <laughs> he recently passed. I mean, he recently passed. Not clear if pickleball was the culprit, but probably. Um, Megan Gailey, you're the best. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it was at a moment's notice. Where can people find you, follow you, see you live? Yes, I have a bunch of um, Midwestern shows coming up. I'm going to be in Chicago, September 22nd and 23rd. Columbus, nice. Ohio, September... 25th um cincinnati september Ooh, nice. 20 oh no columbus september 26th cincinnati the 27th and indianapolis the 28th and 29th i'm still on twitter um at met megan gailey i forgot my name um and on instagram <laughs> at better megan gailey yay and solidarity to the writers yeah uh, as well we can't even um, work <laughs> Like, I know. I mean, I am. We'll see what happens. I'm working with alone, but Megan's fun. also like, uh, as her husband called her, right? The podcast LeBron. The so LeBron she's podcast. on a bunch yes. of, yes, on a bunch of podcasts. Uh, I love my kid, but is the latest one. Um, so funny. All right, Megan, take very good care. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, all you people in the in the ether, for being here for joining me. A few comments uh, before we fuck off into the night. Uh, Joe Eliziah Lecchio Johnson says, um, "Watch out now! You have our full attention. Thank you for your super chat. I think that means there is no unbossed streaming at the same time. So I am here. Um, thanks to the new members, Spectrophonic, Paul. Actually, I'm gonna wait for the fart song to read you guys out. Um, Autumn Leaf says, join join Sam Cedar show." Um, yeah, I haven't gotten that call yet, but 
Hi, I'm here. Uh, Marley, Marley B, thank you, Francesca, for your class and open heart. Gives me hope. No probs. Uh, thank you for speaking out, Fran. No problem. Um, come on, lawsuit to strike down legacy admissions, says the Polygon on Twitch. Yeah, no shit. The fact that no one has a problem with legacy admissions, the most egregious form of like, forget affirmative action, of like a complete handout based on who your parents are, is insane. That we're still doing that in the year 2023, insanity. Uh, Mars Falcon, to be clear, great and fantastic people come from Alabama and Mississippi, but it is a backwards place on the average. Hashtag not all Bammons Missians. I love that. Thanks. Bad lefty on YouTube pro-life for roughly nine months. Good luck to you after that. Bootstraps for all. Yep. Robert, thank you for your super chat. Quote, I just want to remind you of the faculty rules. Rule one, no poofters. I don't know what that means. I think that's, is that a, is that a joke? Is that sort of like an anti-gay? Is that a, I think it's funny. I like that. I think I get it. Um, thank you for your super chat, though, Robert. Appreciate you. Uh, Groove Dragon, so you can't play pickleball because you raise a racket. Oh, shit. He did it. Janice, I'd rather have pickleball than fireworks. I Okay, but if fireworks happened all the time, right? Like, it's different. Pickleball's all the time. Um. Andrea of Pennsylvania, thanks for being a member. I don't know. It's not that bad. I live next to a train. Lol. That's true. Um, Martin, isn't the metaverse killing it? Yeah. Aren't, aren't we all on Wii at this point? Um, and with that, y'all, let's just, uh, you know, get it going. Thank all the new patrons, which we've got a bunch of new patrons. And when I say a bunch, I mean a handful. And when I say a handful, I mean like a few. And when you become a patron at $10 or more, you get a special shout out uh, with the fart song. Thank you so much. To new patrons, um, Michael Donald, Dean Uihara, Shellshock, uh, who all became part of the Franny Stand, and Decepticon IT Help Desk became not just a Franny Stand, but leveled up to become part of the Franny Pack. Thank you so much, Decepticon. And I just want to thank the folks on YouTube for their super thanks. I didn't see these, but Matthew Cox, Cheshire SB, and TT. If I haven't thanked you, I'm thanking you now. Um, also, we've got new members. You can become a member on YouTube and watch back all the bonus shows and um, watch back all the bonus shows. That's that's good enough. Uh, Spectrophonic, thank you so much. Paula Fuller, thank you so much. And Zero PE, what's up, Zero PE? Uh, saying thank you for your solidarity, Franny. Uh, any day, Zero PE. So good to uh, see from you. See from you? Yeah, see from you. Um, and of course, thank you to Paige Omek, the producer of this show, to Maximilian Inhoff, and to Andy Vasoyan, our editor. We stream every Tuesday and Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and remember, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it, be about it.